Ladies and gentlemen, I guess that takes in most of you. What's up, Dad? How's your kids? How's your wife? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. It's a crap. And I hope you're not lactose intolerant because the second half of that word is dairy. There's something screwy around here. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberry. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is a war room. AM 610 KCSR. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. I guess we don't need more thinking, budget. There's going to be a whole bunch of things we don't tell, Mrs. Clinton. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? I believe the appropriate metaphor here involves a river of excrement and a Native American water vessel without any means of propulsion. I've not yet begun to defile myself. Andrew Lacey. Are you pondering what I'm pondering? Someone over something tall, dark, and awesome? Full cock for tomorrow. A few sprinkles of genius for the chance of doom. John Thayer. I'm the dude. Starting tonight, I am going to teach you how to live. You know, I have one simple request. Show me the money! And that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. And boom goes the dynamite. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. We're not live, are we? Don't worry. Nobody's listening anyway. It's time for Live at Four on AM610 KCSR. You lost us. Can you just call something cool like the Ninja Report? And I thought this was going to be a dull day. I got the queen to give me a fist bump. So I got that one. Pardon me while I have a strange influence. I pose a conundrum to you. Pride is an abomination. You know who I am. One must forego the self. Nothing for you. To attain total spiritual creed. Isn't that fair? Avoid the chewy chunks of degradation. You see a whole team of psychiatrists, aren't you? Oh, do you think so, Doctor? Don't try to be funny, will you, meathead? You big dummy. No, 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 you're doing it all wrong. Do it live. I can all write it and we'll do it live. No, for all this talk of snow across the state, I'm feeling a little left out that we haven't had a single flake in Shadron. It is live at 4 a.m. 610 KCSR. Andrew Lacey with you this afternoon. John is on his way to Rapid City if he hasn't gotten there already. Shadron Cardinal basketball tonight. Good, tough test for the cards as they take on St. Thomas Moore. Have that for you. The girls are scheduled to tip off at 6 o'clock. Might run a little late. There are two JV games being played, but tentatively scheduled for 6 o'clock with the boys to follow. Definitely going to be a tough test for the girls. Really see how good they actually are. In the meantime, you get me. Aren't you so lucky? Yeah, didn't think so. But it's Friday. It's almost the end of the week. Just push through the pain of an hour with me, and you're done for the week. You can go home. I still have to be here tomorrow, but the rest of you who only work five days a week, almost to the weekend. So, good news for you. Let's get down to business. Skywatch Weather on KCSR Live. Weather brought to you by First National Bank of North Platte, the bank you call first. For tonight, cloudy skies, 70% chance of snow. It's going to be less than an inch, not a lot. Low around 20 degrees. Tomorrow, partly cloudy. Highs in the mid to upper 30s. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy. Low around 15. Sunday, partly cloudy. Highs upper 30s to lower 40s. Sunday night, mostly clear and a low around 15. Then Monday, mostly sunny. Highs in the 40s and lows 
in the teens. Right now in downtown Shadron, barometer is at 30.35 and falling. We've got just a very light wind, a couple miles an hour, cloudy skies, and it's 34 degrees in Shadron. Weather brought to you by First National Bank of North Platte. Click on the First National Bank of North Platte weather button on the upper right corner of the Shadrad homepage, and it will take you to the First National Bank North Platte website. News Today brought to you by Shadron Express Lube. Call 432-LUBE for an appointment today. Former Democratic presidential candidate and U.S. Senator Bob Kerry is heading into another week with no decision on whether he'll seek Nebraska's open Senate seat. This has some wondering if maybe Republican Governor Dave Heineman might join the race. Nebraska election law requires state office holders to file for election, even if it's for a different office, by February 15th of this year. Non-office holders like Kerry have until March 1st to file. Most think Heineman would be an easy winner if he ran for the Senate seat being vacated by Democrat Ben Nelson, but the governor has maintained he won't run. If Kerry opts to join the race before February 15th, Heineman would have little time to consider getting in. High school students have a special opportunity to learn more about Shadron State College later this month. Danielle Hensey, CSC Campus Visit Coordinator, is encouraging teenagers and their families to attend the Eagle Open House, an event Monday, February 20th, to give prospective students a general overview of CSC and its offerings. The event falls on President's Day, Hensey said, when many high schools don't have school, it's a great day to come visit. Eagle Open House includes an information fair with representatives from various campus services, clubs, and groups. Attendees will join other prospective students and parents in meetings with professors and campus tours. Lunch is included, followed by presentations on housing, paying for college, and admissions. The event begins with registration at 8 a.m. and is expected to end at about 1.30 p.m. Students must sign up in advance at the CSC website or by contacting the CSC Visit Desk at 308-432-6233. The Shadron State Foundation has received a large contribution from the estate of Ralph, Ralph and Judith Hale, a couple who graduated from Shadron State College's education program in the 1960s and later established careers in Las Vegas, Nevada. Connie Rasmussen, executive director of the foundation, said the contribution from the state will total about $700,000 when finalized. The gift will generate student scholarships through the Hale-Johnson-Driscoll Endowment. The general scholarships are awarded to students of all grade level. Judith Johnson-Hale, who died May 31st of last year, experienced exemplary success as a student at CSE and later as a high school teacher. She taught English and journalism at Edward Clark High School in Las Vegas for 27 years, ending in 1995, and another five years at a Las Vegas private school. The school newspaper and yearbook at Clark High won many state and real regional honors under her direction. Ralph Hale was a native of Scotts Bluff and was a member of CSC's Student Education Association, uh, chapter and graduated in 1964. After moving to Las Vegas, he established a career as a photographer. He died in 2004. Patriotism and the value of U.S. citizenship would be recognized first thing in the morning in all Nebraska public schools under a bill up for debate next week in the legislature. Senator Tony Fulton of Lincoln says a United States flag would be posted in every public school classroom and students should be led in the Pledge of Allegiance during the first class of every school day. 
Starting this fall, all K-12 through classrooms would have a flag and pupils would be led in a group recitation of the pledge. Fulton says he thinks most schools say the pledge up until about fifth grade, but older students need to be reminded to be respectful. He says he sees too many teens ignoring the national anthem at school sporting events. That's a look at news brought to you by Shadron Express Lube. Call 432-LUBE for an appointment today. Sports on KCSR Live. Sports brought to you by First National Bank of Shadron, one bank, every service. The massive news conferences for Tom Coughlin and Bill Belichick are over at the Super Bowl. Each held his final formal pregame gathering this morning with Coughlin saying he expects to have a healthy team for the game. At the end of today's practice, the Patriots said that injured tight end Rob Gronkowski moved without a limp and is listed as questionable for Sunday's game. University of Connecticut Hall of Fame basketball coach Jim Calhoun has been forced to take an indefinite leave of absence because of a bad back. Calhoun has been suffering for months from spinal stenosis, a lower back condition that causes him severe pain and hampers mobility. Federal prosecutors are closing a criminal investigation of Lance Armstrong and will not charge him over allegations he used performance-enhancing drugs. In a press release, the U.S. attorney said the case has been closed but didn't disclose the reason for the decision. Relief pitcher Matt Belisle and the Colorado Rockies have agreed to a two-year contract that includes a mutual option for 2014 and adds an additional $4.35 million. The right-hander had agreed last February to a deal that pays him $3.77 million this year. The new deal adds a $4.1 million salary for 2013 and a quarter million option for 2014 with a quarter of a million dollar buyout. Finally in the NBA, more bad news for Portland Trail Blazers center Greg Oden. The injury-plagued Oden faces an arthroscopic procedure to remove debris from his right knee. Because of various knee problems, Oden hasn't appeared in a game for the Blazers in two years. Most recently, his injuries have been to the left knee, this scope being performed on the right knee. That's a look at sports brought to you by First National Bank of Shadron. Get connected at First National Bank of Shadron. Hey, this is Jason Brown, and you're listening to Live at 4 on Stereo AM 610 KCSR. Live at 4, AM 610, KCSR, Andrew Lacey hanging out with you this afternoon. A Tony Fulton built uh, requiring the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm in favor of as long as it also bans the one thing that I see at football games that drives me nuts more than anything. And that's that if you haven't been to a Husker game recently, at the end of the national anthem when it says, Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, the student section has this very obnoxious habit of, instead of brave, they will yell out, Huskers! Drives me nuts! In fact, I wrote a column in the student paper about it last year and just, eh, cannot stand it. Anyway... Super Bowl coming up this Sunday, in case you live under a rock and somehow hadn't heard about it. And so I uh, thought I'd talk about a little bit of football. Not not the typical, you know, I'm not going to break down, you know, position by position or anything like that or go in depth as to who's going to win and why. Giants by a touchdown. But uh thought I'd do a little 
look at some football myths instead because, uh, eh, why not? So, starting with uh, the one of the most prevalent myths in all of football, and that's that defense wins championships. We hear it all the time, year in and year out. But is it actually true, given that this year the two teams in the Super Bowl, the Giants and Patriots, ranked 27th and 31st in total defense in the regular season, for those who are completely clueless about football, that's out of 32 total teams in the league. So I uh, got some, uh, this is from, uh, where did I find this? I believe it was Yahoo Sports, most likely, something like that. But uh, it is a look at whether or not defense really does win championships. And just putting together the numbers, and uh, their scoring is actually much higher from in the Super Bowl than in the regular season. And looking at data from Super Bowls as well as more than 10,000 regular season games, the cliche, not supported at all. Over the past 10 seasons, Super Bowl teams have each scored 25 points per game compared to 20.5 points per game during the regular season. The winning Super Bowl teams have averaged excuse me, 31.5 points per game, which kind of seems like a new like an argument for a new cliche, you know, offense wins championships. But uh, the interestingly, the uh, team that leads the league in defensive touchdowns during the regular season tends to actually have one of the worst win-loss records in football, which is really kind of puts the whole kibosh on that whole matter. I mean, there are exceptions, 85 Bears, 2,000 Ravens, the 0-2 Buccaneers, but... Uh, those teams stand out because their defense is one, because they're the exception to the rule. And uh, an explanation here from a couple of researchers, uh, Tobias Moskowitz and John Wertheim, who wrote a book called Scorecasting, uh, quoting them, says, If defense is no more critical to winning than offense is, why does everyone from Little League coaches to ESPN analysts extol its importance? Well, no one needs to talk up the virtues of scoring. No one needs to create incentives for players to score more touchdowns. There's a reason why fans exhort defense, defense, not offense, offense. Offense is fun. Offense is glamorous. Who gets the Nike shoe contracts and the other endorsements? The players who score or the defensive stoppers, end quote. So let's not kid ourselves. No matter how great the offense is, of course you want a great defense to go along with it. But the idea that a great defense is a magic bullet is something that should probably go away, unless, of course, you're the grizzled old coach who invented the cliche. I actually heard Warren Sapp on uh, Yahoo Sports Radio the other day talking about it. He said, you know, that he was part of that great Bucks team where the defense did win the championship, but he pointed out that, for the most part, the defense keeps you in it and gives you a chance, but it's really the offense that has to win the game. But then a couple other ones that... Uh, Spend a little less time on here as three miss here from, uh, this is from Stephen Dubner, co-author of the book Freakonomics, which if you're not familiar with that book, shame on you. It's one of the greatest books I've ever read in my life. But uh, he's got three myths here that he looks at. And the first one is called the Super Bowl Indicator, which says that a win by a team from the original NFL, like the Giants, is good for the stock market 
while a win from a team by a team from the AFL like the Patriots is bad. So far, 36 out of 45 Super Bowls have actually supported that for an 80% invest success rate, according to Investopedia. And Dubner says, I love to hear people chatter about it, but I ignore that stuff. We know that predicting the future based on an independent variable that has nothing to do with anything is a bad idea. And so, makes for good conversation if the game gets boring. And, you know, on the off chance that it actually does work out that way this year, you can look smarter than all your friends. Uh, myth number two is that Super Bowl ads are too expensive. And uh, this year, NBC's charging a record $3.5 million for a 30-second ad, generating about $250 million for the network, which seems just ridiculous. But according to Dubner again, NBC might actually be leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table because, as he notes, the market for Super Bowl ads isn't really a market because there's sort of a uh, collusion between NBC, CBS, and Fox to fix the price of the ads. But he suggests if they actually auctioned off the ad slots, they'd actually make even many more millions of dollars. And really, who wouldn't want to see that just to watch somebody throw some ridiculous amount of money out there just to see how stupid they are to be willing to buy these 30-second ads and uh, the third one that actually deals with what happens on the field is the issue of does home field matter? Uh, statistically, the home team wins about 55% of football games, which would suggest that, yes, there is such thing as home field advantage, but it's not in the ways you would typically suspect. It's not from players sleeping in their own beds or, you know, having home cooking or not having to travel. Not even really the, uh, from fans being able to hype up their team and maybe discourage the other team, but it actually comes in officiating. And uh, although professional officials, you know, do their best to be unbiased, they're human and they want to make people happy. Everybody does in one way or another. No one wants a stadium full of people to boo them, even if it is the right call. So, where that can come into effect is that, you know, typically the Super Bowl is played in a neutral site, but being played in Indy this year, the house that Peyton Manning built, with Eli Manning being on one of the teams, and the fact that the Colts and Patriots have, you know, a decade-long rivalry that's gotten pretty nasty at times over the years, that could lead to the Indianapolis fans kind of giving the Giants sort of a de facto home field, and that could affect the outcome you know most likely the players are going to decide it themselves but with something like that you could see maybe one extra call or no call go the Giants way so really that that's where it actually comes into effect and you can actually see kind of instances of things like that and even sort of a reverse effect where you know we have him right here in Nebraska Bo Pelini who has a habit of you know, making the officials mad at him. And really, who doubts that at least a few calls that have gone against Nebraska over the last few years have been because the officials get tired of Bo's crap. So there's your Super Bowl preview where I actually did absolutely no analysis other than, you know, Giants might have a little bit of an actual home field advantage. But I do expect the Giants to win. So there you go. This is Live at 4 AM 610 KCSR. I'm not crazy. My mother had me tested.
Hey, this is Chapter 6, and you're listening to Live at 4 on Stereo. AM 610 KCSR. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Fun, fun. Live at 4 a.m. 610 KCSR, Andrew Lacey with you on a Friday afternoon. We're hoping to have a community focus, but right now I'm not exactly holding my breath. Uh, so we'll just see about that. In the meantime, I'm going to talk about things that interest me. I want to talk about that uh, Susan G. Komen story that's been going around the last day or two where they pulled their funding from Planned Parenthood, and then now they're not, and everybody's up in arms. To me, I look at this, and you say, for the people who were mad when they pulled the funding, the argument basically boils down to, I want Planned Parenthood to have money, and I'm going to take it as a personal affront if that money doesn't get directed to them through a specific third-party group. Because apparently there's no other way they could get their hands on money. You know, apparently there's no other third-party groups that deal with breast cancer or anything like that. And really, let's be honest, it's not about breast cancer. The people who are upset about this want Planned Parenthood to have their funding to do abortion. Let's be realistic. This has very little to do with breast cancer uh, treatment, funding, research, any of that sort of thing. But then Coleman really screwed the pooch on it by now changing their minds, because now not only were the pro-abortion people mad at them, now the conservatives are going to be mad at them. And that's even worse for them, because there have been studies after study after study that consistently show that, on average, conservatives give more donations to charity than liberals. Well, now you've ticked off the conservatives, so... They would have been better off to either go with the original decision and have the liberals mad at them, but the conservatives still giving money, or just shut up and don't make a decision one way or the other. But it's completely fueled by politics with discussions over, you know, does the government pull funding from Planned Parenthood or not, but... Really, let's be realistic. The people who were mad in the first place has very little to do with breast cancer. They just want to make sure Planned Parenthood has their funding so they can do the number one thing that Planned Parenthood was established to do, the thing they're known for. Yes, they do other services, but they're also the biggest abortion provider there is. That's the reason the group was created. Margaret Sanger created it specifically to promote abortion, particularly in black populations. That's just a historical fact. Sorry. That's the way it goes. And to pretend otherwise is just being unrealistic and trying to rewrite history. So just stop with all of that. And Susan G. Komen, yeah, bad move. Seriously. You might want to just, like, rename yourself and try to fool people into thinking you're a completely organ different organization because pretty sure a lot of people are going to be looking for other places to direct their charitable efforts in the future or maybe not maybe 
in a year or two it'll blow over and people will forget about it you know the next time they turn on a football game and everybody's wearing those obnoxious pink accents in their uniforms which by the way i if if all this brings an end to that i'm in favor of that i i cannot stand all the pink nonsense that shows up all over the place as if breast cancer is the only kind of cancer that exists i mean it's bad it's serious but at the same time there's a lot of other kinds of cancers can we focus on also researching and treating those because frankly i've never known anyone that had breast cancer but i did have a friend who died at age 23 of leukemia where's that research just saying Anyway, I'm going to take a short break. This is live at 4 a.m. 610 KCSR. Very mature. You started it. Hi, this is former President Bill Clinton. You're listening to Live at 4 on Serio AM 610 KCSR, Chadron, Nebraska. If you change that dial, I would have you deported. <laughs> we'll knock off now and take the next two days off. How's that? Do that again. You are so stupid. That's right. They're all going to that's right. There is nothing wrong with your radio. That's right. This is crazy. What's going on here? I don't know. Freaks and loves. I know I ought to say that, but it's burning. Oh, I threw my pocket in into my skin. Come Monday morning, I'll be broke again. It's finally Friday. I got my motor running for a while weekend. It's Live at 4 a.m. 610, KCSR, Andrew Lacey with you. Don't forget, coming up tonight, high school hoops, as the cards are in Rapid City for a tough test at St. Thomas More. That's right. They're scheduled to tip off with the girls' game at 6, and the boys to follow. They might run a little late, because their boys and girls' JV are both playing to this afternoon, so... Tentatively scheduled to start at 6 o'clock. So, but definitely going to be the toughest test of the season so far for the Cardinal girls. Should be a good one. I swear, Twitter has killed more people than Charles Starkweather. Just saying. For those who aren't familiar, Twitter, of course... Well, most of you probably have at least some concept of what Twitter is, even if you've never used it or been on it before. But on their site, they have what they call trending topics, which are words or phrases that are being used the most frequently at the moment. And right now on the side of the page, it's showing me R.I.P. Eddie Murphy. I mean, his career's dead, but the guy isn't. So either either no one learned from the fiasco where Twitter killed Joe Paterno or someone just doesn't care and think they're being funny. Either way, it's kind of, actually kind of impressive the number of people that they've managed to start rumors about their deaths on Twitter only to have them obviously wrong. Or just a few hours early in the case of Paterno, but still... Twitter strikes again, killing Eddie Murphy, 
even though he's still alive, only his career is dead at this point. <laughs> but uh, these are th- just things that pop into my head when we're, you know, close to the end of the show and I need to fill a segment with time. It's just how I do. That and the fact that God hates my Portland Trailblazers. This Greg Oden getting his knee scoped. It's not even funny anymore. <laughs> he was... <laughs> What are you going to do but just shake your head? I went to my first Blazer game last year. My sister took me, and awesome, by the way. I, You know, even if you're not a big NBA fan, going to an NBA game is pretty fun, especially if you're a big fan like I am. But just so, so, yeah. Another Greg Ogin surgery. It's like a game now just to see how many you can come up with, so... There you go. My Blazers never catching a break. Sam Bowie syndrome all over again. This is live at 4 a.m. 610. I find him objectionable on most every level.